ultimate value of life depends upon awareness and the power of contemplation rather than mere survival. Aristotle. The Walking Dead, Season 1, Episode 6, TS19. Trigger warnings for this episode are sexual assault and suicide. Please stay safe and stay sane. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Feed Don't Eat Your Brain. I'm Zachary Ballard, and with us for our final episode of Season 1 of The Walking Dead, I have Emily Dale with me. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Emily. Uh, Hi, I'm Emily Dale, and yeah, I am a student at the moment, and I like zombie content. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Emily, what did you think about the episode? I know that you, this is your first time watching Walking Dead, so what are your first impressions? Um, they cover a lot of really heavy topics, Uh um, and ask, like, a lot of really good questions, Uh which surprised me. Um, I noticed, like, the theme on this episode was a lot of, like, hopefulness versus hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and seeing, like, how different people are impacted by Mm -hmm. that, it was interesting to see, like, all of the different reactions. Yeah, yeah. I definitely saw saw that as long as well as like the worth of life and and what makes life worth living um the first thing i wanted to touch on was at the beginning your shane's in the hospital and soldiers are just killing innocent people i mean yeah. we don't know if they're bitten uh they probably were we don't know if they're just sick but all we see is these, these soldiers just like killing these people and it just seemed it just seemed like their life basically meant nothing just because they were sick so what what do you what are your thoughts on that? Um, it was really interesting because I actually wrote that down in my notes. Mm-hmm. That, like they just killed indiscriminately. There was no like, are they actually bitten? Are they sick? Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, obviously like I'm appalled by it, but like in the context, you're like, Ugh. like is that a reasonable thing? I mean, I'm sure the soldiers are also equally as scared yeah. of what's going on because everything's going to hell. Um, but yeah, I thought it was very intriguing that they immediately started killing sick people. Yeah, you know, and so. Uh, that was just a small thing, but then um, throughout this whole episode, Andrea is is just she's super depressed because her sister just died, and she just thinks that nothing can get better and there's nothing left. Um, which I don't know. I think I'm sort of on the side of of Rick, where it's like I think it they haven't given it enough time to help rebuild. Like I can see why um, people would have depressive thoughts and like okay, I don't think this is going to work out. I don't think life is going to go on after this. Like the doctor says, he's like, this is our extinction event. But I, I feel like they still haven't given it enough time to be like, oh, this is our extinction event, you know? Yeah. And like, as much as I understand where Andrea's coming from, because like, depressed mess sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, same, same here. <laughs> um, like, it just felt really like, don't drag everybody down with you. If you want to be upset and you want to just be done, like... It was the dragging everybody else. Um, so the thing I really, I really loved Dale, like, throughout this entire episode, throughout mm-hmm. the series. But the thing I really liked is how he addressed the Andrea situation. Mm-hmm. Because he, he really was like, here's the deal. Like, you can be down, but you've impacted my life. And here's the impact you've had on me. Is this what your sister would have wanted? Like, yes, the world's not going to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. But we can create a new normal, something that's worth living for and working forward to. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, I mean, and Dr. Jenner, he kind of made that decision for them. He was like... There, he was like, since I don't want to live, like, why would you guys want to live? Oh, that and what's, what's, what's the point of you guys living if I don't want to live? Like, this is, it's hopeless. And he, he made that decision for them. Like, at least Andrea, well, I mean, Andrea, we'll talk about that later, but like, 
Andrea was just going to do it for herself and yeah. so did Jackie. But, like, he was like, no, like, you guys don't want to live. Yeah. Like, yeah. that, like, straight up angered me. Oh, yeah. I, like, because the thing is, is, like, it's one thing to let self-destructive thoughts and behaviors, like, get to you. And, I mean, like, that sucks and you need to address those, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to take care of those. But to inherently try and convince everybody else to think the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's, like, it doesn't matter that you disagree with me. You're still going to follow the self-destructive train. Like, it was essentially, mm-hmm. it was essentially a murder-suicide is what he was trying to do. Yeah. And... Like, I don't know, it's when someone else has what they want to do and it's not being considered at all. Like, there's no compromise. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, when, and then he said to them, he was like, when that door closes, it's not going to open again. I, I, okay, and I I know the law doesn't exist now, but under contract, like, contracts are not binding if you sign under duress. And those people were under duress. So that doesn't count as, like, an actual decision, like an actual conscious decision, because... Like, they were under duress, and they were like, of course, let us in. Like, we'll, you know, just let us yeah. in, because walkers are coming, and it's nighttime. Yeah, well, and there was no context into what that meant. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea was, I'm, like, you're not going to just come in and then leave immediately. Yeah. Like, the implication was that, like, you're here to stay and help out with the community. Yeah, exactly. They were under the impression there was multiple people there, mm-hmm. and that there was some sort of thriving. Yeah, no, whatever. he didn't say, like, if you come in here, you're going to die in here. Exactly. You know? Because uh, then, then they probably you know, would have left, but, like, they were like, okay, yeah, we'll help out, and then it was just him, you know, so, it, he just tried to make the choice for them, which was not okay, in my opinion, and Rick even stated it, he was like, let us, give us, give us the chance to try. Yes. You know, give us the chance to keep on trying, um, and, yeah, it was, it's a, it's sort of a rough thing, and I find it interesting that, so, Rick is drunk, and he goes up, up to him, up to Dr. Jenner, and, and he's like, you don't know what it's like out there. Like, you may think you do, but you don't. And I, I find it interesting that I feel like he would, Dr. Jenner would have more hope than Rick does because he wasn't out there. He doesn't really know what's out there and how to survive. And I I don't know. He might have been, like, scared to, to want to try to survive out there because he wasn't originally surviving out there. So I, I think he might have been um, terrified, honestly, to go out there and to try to survive when the power goes out, you know? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's an, just an interesting take. Cause like, I like, yeah, I think he definitely was scared to go out there to see what would happen. But I think he also genuinely thought there was literally no survival out there because he was surprised to see mm-hmm. that they showed up at his door. And he's like, what the heck? Why are there people here? What's yeah. going on? And then we end up learning that there are more people out there surviving, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting that that didn't give him hope either. Like mm-hmm. the people have been surviving out here. They needed a temporary solace. Yeah. Um, and rather he took that to be more, um, fearful yeah like to take that fear and amplify he's like yeah you, you well, said yourself i guess i guess he saw like how beaten down they were and like already in a month the trauma that they've been through and and he just he didn't i don't think he wanted to live that i think he saw that and was like yeah this isn't for me i'm just gonna i'm just gonna off myself well he even decided that before they came but yeah. he he was still like set in his decision to off himself and i think that it has to do a lot with with something to live for. Because Rick has his family to live for. Um, Shane and Daryl, I mean, they don't really have family, but I, I think... They have their found family. They, they have their found family, and they have, like, this group to care for and to live for. And, I mean, Daryl still has... Merle. Merle. Um, Daryl still has Merle to live for, and because he doesn't know if he's dead or not. And so everyone has someone to live for, or something to live for. And Dr. Jenner, before, he had... 
his, his work. He had his wife and then he had his work. He had trying to find the, the cure to this. And then when that ended, he was like, okay, there's nothing to live for anymore. You know? And, and I, when I first watched this, when I was 16, uh, Dale's comment to Andrea, where he was like, you don't get to just walk into someone's life, make them care and just check out. Like that has stuck with me since I was like 16. Cause that's such a good line. Cause it, it is so, it's so easy to be in your bubble and like, this only affects me. This is my choice, but, but it affects him too. Cause he ended up caring about Andrea. And, and so he was like, he made the decision. He was like, I, if you're gone, then I have nothing to live for. So what's the point of living if you're gone? So yeah, you saw a lot of like something to live for and yeah. that you have to have that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I really, I really did like that comment. Like that stuck out to me as well. Mm-hmm. The, you don't get to come in and then just make me care and leave. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's easy to forget, like, it's easy to think we're just, like, so small and insignificant, mm-hmm. and it's easy to forget that we have value even if it's just one person. Yeah. Like, like the impact that we have is huge, and even if it's just for one person, like, it's not fair to do that to someone. Yeah. I mean, suicidal thoughts are a very real thing, and I've, going kind of dark here, I've had suicidal thoughts, and it's it's very hard when you're having those thoughts to, to think outside of, you know, who is this going to affect and I think the minute you start to think who this is going to affect, um, then that sort of helps you, you know, continue to push through. Um, and, and, and sometimes a lot of people don't feel like they, their death will affect anything. And that's, I think, where you get, you know, people that um, follow through. Uh, by the way, I'll say this every time I mention suicide, call someone. There's always help. You can call the suicide hotline. Uh, please help yourself. Like, you deserve to live. Um, but... Yeah, it's just, you know, you're gonna, you, your value, your life has value, whether you see it or not, because other people around you, like, they definitely see it, you know? Yeah. I think that's been the interesting thing, because I've lost a lot of people to suicide in my Mm -hmm. life in the past, and, like, I've been on both sides of those thoughts, Mm -hmm. been on the, I've lost somebody, and the, I've had the thoughts, and been in the space, Mm -hmm. and you really don't think about other people when you're in that headspace. Mm-hmm. And I think the really thing, the thing that jarred me into reality was, um, I lost a friend my senior year mm-hmm. and I turned to my mom. I was like, why am I angry? Like I'm angry. Why should I be angry? Why am I not sad? I'm like angry. She's like, cause she made you care. Mm-hmm. Like she's your friend. You care. And she left mm-hmm. by her decision. Mm-hmm. Of course you're going to be upset about that. Now, yeah. obviously it's not only anger, mm-hmm. like there was sadness, but it really hit like there are people in my life I've met and I've made care about me. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair to leave them high and dry. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it is, it's so important to just realize that you have worth and that it, it isn't over. Like when, when something tragic or something bad or, or, you know, even if it's just depression that, that keeps eating at you, or if it's just continuous trauma, I'm so glad I didn't follow through in my suicidal thoughts because, you know, life got so much better than when I was having them, you know, and, and life will continue to have ups and downs and I definitely do have ups and downs, but, but to where my life was and to where it is now and the quality of it is like so much better. And if I just decided to do that, then I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have all those great things that I've experienced so far, you know? And it's the same for everyone that has decided not to, you know, they, and, and if Andrea, Andrea still has kind of <laughs> life afterward, <laughs> but this is, this is the walking dead. This the is the walking dead. Um... Everyone's, everyone's going to have these vibes. Uh, but I mean, she she fell in love quotation marks with someone he was a really bad dude but she fell in love with him she got to live on a nice farm for a little bit um (laughs) 
But like, I mean, imagine if everyone else decided to to commit suicide. You know, Lori ends up getting pregnant, and so she had yeah. a baby. That baby wouldn't have existed. There, there is argument on whether to have a baby in that world yeah. or not. Um, I mean. This isn't this isn't proving my point because most of them die anyway. <laughs> but but in this life, there's always a reason to live, and you have value. Yeah, we don't we don't have walkers. Right now, <laughs> yeah, <knows>. yeah. <laughs> um, but always seek out help and such. Um, all right, moving on, moving on. Uh, I I kind of want to talk about like the human aspect that they like lose. Were you going to yeah. mention that? Yeah, I wrote that yeah. down. I actually didn't write it down because mm-hmm. the one thought that I had there. I like that they address that because a lot of mm-hmm. times there's always this ambiguous question of, like, are they still, like, in there mm-hmm. when they turn? And, I mean, they're like, well, are they still alive? He's like, look at that. There's brain activity, but it's just the, the survival aspect of it. Yeah, it's literally just the brainstem. Mm-hmm. There's none of the personality mm-hmm. or the memories there. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, when, when you lose your humanity and what makes you you, um, then that's also a reason to to want to die. I mean, if I was a walker, I'd want to die. I'd be like, uh, Well, I mean, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know that you'd want to die, but <laughs> yeah. me, me now, as a human, and as a like, person uh, with a personality, I'd be like, please, yeah, exactly. Like, if you find me I'd as a walker, like, gank me. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like, in the moment, I wouldn't know, but yeah. right now, with my personality, I would want to die, you know? Yeah, I think it's, like, losing humanity definitely would be horrifying. My biggest um, fear is to get Alzheimer's. Like that's that's one of my biggest biggest fears. I that's not that they lose their humanity, but, their but they they lose their memory and sort of what makes them them. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I definitely understand that fear. Like that, the idea of not knowing who I am or what's mm-hmm. going on around me, mm-hmm. whether that be through like also memory from Alzheimer's or dementia, or whether that be because I'm reanimated after dying. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of not being myself is definitely terrifying. Yeah, I'd be like, no, get, put me out of my misery. Yeah. Even though I probably wouldn't feel the misery at that point in time, put me out of my misery. Yeah, yeah. You know, people deal with that. People yeah. deal with their loved ones kind of losing who they are, whether it's through an accident or whether it's old age. Or, and it's it's hard to go through when, like, you basically you lose your personality and you lose what makes you you. I want to talk about Dr. Jenner saying you think you have more time and then it's gone. Um, and that's so true. Like, I, I'm only 23 and I've been... I've been thinking a lot about, like, what if I die tomorrow? And I don't know why. I don't know why those thoughts are creeping in. But I just keep thinking, I'm like, I'm 23. Not going to die of old age, obviously. But it's just it's just sort of, I mean, I've had three, three or four people from my high school already pass away through tragic accidents or, like, shootings. And, like, and it's so crazy. I was talking to my friend Quentin about this, that, like, they, they had no idea that that was their last day. And then they just, they were just gone. And that's it. Like, we we don't realize how fragile our lives are, you know? I think, like, grasping with the reality of how fragile life is, Mm -hmm. is terrifying, but it's also freeing in the same aspect. Mm -hmm. Because when you start to realize how fragile it is, and that you don't know how much time you have left, Mm -hmm. you don't know when your last day is going to be. For me, like, recognizing that, I tend to start trying to live my life in a more free way. Like, Mm -hmm. Living yeah. my day, living my life to the fullest, not not shoving myself into this mundane box of these are the things I have to get done, yeah. but rather, or these are the things that are going to get me money, but rather things that I actually enjoy mm-hmm. and that I can better myself and the people around me with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I live my life more to the fullest, it's less scary to think that maybe I could die. Yeah. I mean, like the, the thought of dying, there's religious people and, and, you know, 
I, I consider myself spiritual, not necessarily religious. Yeah. But I mean, um, even if you believe that there is a life after death, that doesn't mean that there is a life after death because we don't know. You know? Yeah. It's sort of grappling with that reality of like, like I hope it's true. I hope there's life after death, but I I just don't know. You yeah. know? And and I, I do agree that like once you once you grapple with the fact that you might die, it makes your quality of life better because you want to live it better. Yeah. And I think like the harsh reality too is even if there is a life after death, we don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if even if we even if we could with absolute certainty say that there is one, mm-hmm. which I like to believe that there is one. Yeah. Um, like we don't know what that looks like. Do yeah. we is it entirely separate from here? Do we get to watch over our loved ones? Like mm-hmm. we don't know. Yeah. Which religion is the truth, you know? It's like it it's definitely very a scary but also very freeing at the same time with your own life. Yeah. Um, to grapple with that. But I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. I thought it was interesting. Um, or, or even, even the fact that like our old lives before COVID were, you know, were so different and, you know, I don't think I'll ever eat another birthday cake that's been breathed on again. (laughs) Um, cause you know, I spent a year thinking about that stuff, but like we, we, one day we were living our lives normally and then we blinked and it was like all gone. Yeah. We, most of us are still alive, but uh, we thought that life was going the way it was going to go, and then it just took a left turn, and that's what happened with them, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's crazy. Like like you said, it was like a blink of an eye. I literally had come home for the week, Yeah. got on a flight back to school, and then, like, three days later, I was packing my room to drive all the way back yeah. home from Montana, and I was like, um, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, I was in, what like, three shows. I was going to go to New York. Like, oh. it was so... And New York was, like, epicenter for it, you know? Yeah. And I was like, guess I'm not going to New York. Oh, guess I'm not doing these shows. Oh, guess I'm doing school online. Like, oh, it was crazy. Oh, guess I'm hiding in my house for a Oh, year. yeah. And so, it's very interesting and very relevant to our day. Like, this yeah. whole thing, this whole show, Zombies, are very relevant to what we experience. The biggest change I saw in Worth of Life is shame. You're saying, like, in the value of... Like, not value, like, but, like, um... Like, his quality? worth of life. His oh, quality okay. of, and worth of life, like... He is such a complicated character, and that's why I love him, and that's why I hate him at the same time. Yeah, this was definitely an episode to not like him. Yeah, to not not really like him. Um, But on the other hand, at the beginning of the episode, you really liked him because he was trying to help Rick, you know? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and like, so they show you that, and then they show his like really dark side to him. And, And so basically, to the people that haven't watched it, we see that Shane goes to the hospital to try to save Rick while he's in a coma. And Shane uh, is trying, he's seeing soldiers kill innocent people, and and he's trying to, like, wake him up. He was attached to a bunch of things. He put his ear to his heart. He didn't hear a heartbeat. He thought he was dead. So he was like, okay, hey, I'll do the next best thing. I'll leave, but I'll barricade the door, and I'll hopefully save his life if he's still alive. And then he leaves and goes and helps Lori and Carl. And then that was that. So we find out that backstory, that he actually went actively went to the hospital to try to help Rick. Um, there's still the question of where, where the hell is his family, but whatever. Um, yeah, that was a little, it, it, <laughs> like, I, where did they I don't know, go? it seems weird. It seems a little iffy to me, but then he goes and helps them. He gets really drunk. He gets really ah! faced and he goes and confronts Lori after Lori told him, Hey, don't talk to my family ever again. Cause you lied to me, but she doesn't realize that he like lied to her. He didn't mean to lie to her. It was a lie of lack of knowledge, not a lie yeah. of omission or intention. Yeah. He was, like, he, he thought he was telling the truth. And, and then he's drunk and he hasn't felt love in a while. And he tries, he basically sexually assaults her and she like scratches him to get him off him and he gets off and then he like leaves. Right. 
but... It's the only decent thing he did in that moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, like, it is so, like, it's such a really tricky <sighs> situation. Because I feel like if they would have handled it like adults, that would have happened. Yeah, this is you a know? complicated situation of, like, no, it's not intended to be victim-blaming, so that's not the intention. But had mm-hmm. people... Had everybody been on the same page with the same information, mm-hmm. um, he definitely wouldn't have felt as, like, ostracized and alone as he did. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make what he did okay, but, like... If if Lori understood that he wasn't intentionally trying to lie, and, and they were both adults, and they were both, you know, trying to seek affection in this awful, awful world... Yeah. Then I think she probably wouldn't have told Shane to basically... F off. Um, F off. <laughs> uh, but in the same vein, Shane, I feel like Shane has a responsibility to understand where Lori's coming from as well. It does seem like he lied, and and it, it seems really shady that he just went and cared about Rick's family instead of his. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a it's just a really messy and complicated situation, and um, well, she effectively like villainized him. Yeah, immediately. For, yeah, with no listening, no compromise, nothing. She effectively essentially, if I can talk, essentially villainized him. Mm-hmm. And so when you've been villainized, sometimes like your thought goes to like, well, might as well be the villain. Yeah, and that, well... That's going to be the only way I get what I want. Yeah. Might have, and, and like Shane lost, I, I like to imagine that Shane lost his, his original wife, wh- whatever, you know? And then he was like, Hey, got to go check on my best friend. He's dead. Maybe. And then he's like, Hey, got to go help my best friend's family. Cause it's the next best thing to family. I guess I have. Yeah. And then that's his way of, like, receiving affection and love. And then in a split second, it was, like, immediately gone. ripped away. It was just gone. And he, he lost control. And I think he he's losing his way, his reason to live. And he's just trying to hold on to that. Yeah. You know? And he's holding on to it in a really strange <sighs> way. Yeah. And but, I, like, yeah. I think he, he vocalized it really well in that moment, like, Again, the actions mm-hmm. aside, they were yeah. not good. Yeah. Bad actions. Yeah. Um, but he had said, like, you couldn't have done what we've done without feeling love. You can't tell mm-hmm. me that there's not, that you've never loved me and that there was mm-hmm. no love ever there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, is love is very abstract. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, you're looking for connection and people to give you purpose Mm -hmm. when you're talking like apocalyptic settings like Mm -hmm. you want a purpose and so if your purpose can't be your family because they're dead it can't be your bet your partner best friend because they're dead you go to their family like next best thing like you said Mm -hmm. um and like that doesn't make any of those feelings less valid Mm -hmm. or or less real but it definitely does amplify the situation when Mm -hmm. Um, and also when alcohol is involved, oh, yeah. like you're just inebriated, you can't control yourself as well. Yeah, I think uh, alcohol in the apocalypse is an interesting it's, topic. It's very, it's very interesting because it's just like, it seems really dumb to me, but it also seems really understandable to me. Like, yeah. I don't know, if I was in the apocalypse, I would definitely be tempted to drink just to like maybe forget at some point. But it's also very unsafe to drink yeah. in the apocalypse. Well, and I think like obviously they were in a safe setting because mm-hmm. they were yeah. within this compound. It was... Like, there was nothing getting in there. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, like, when you're in a life or death scenario, I like, drinking is very complicated. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't like the idea of, like, not, of, like, even having my actions and thoughts and mm-hmm. the things I say impaired. Yeah. Let alone, like, gone and forgotten. Yeah. But, like, I can understand the appeal of it when you're talking in, like, the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the same time, like... You got zombies chasing after you. Yeah. Like, you gotta stay sharp. You can't be, like, having a hangover the next day and be slow the next day. Like, if you're gonna get 
Like, if yeah. you to get drunk that night, like, anything beyond tipsy is a little Well, and then they all wake up hungover. And yeah, they're all beyond they're all hungover. hungover. And, uh, yeah. It's, poor Glenn. <laughs> yeah, poor Glenn. Um, this kid though, he's like, never let me drink again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Shane really was just trying to grasp for any humanity, and he just can't find it because it was just ripped from him. And, you know, but also... He shouldn't have sexually assaulted Laurie. Yeah, Laurie like, either. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's. I'm very angry, and I hope that he becomes a better person throughout the show. Oh, you gotta but, just keep on watching. You'll see. But yeah, no, I definitely was angry. Um. Yeah, this is definitely the the spiral of Shane, and I think if they handled it like adults, it would have probably ended differently. Um. And Rick still has no idea what's going on. Um. He just thinks Shane's being an asshole. Uh, that's fair. But, I forget I he's mean, still in the dark about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And Shane is being an asshole, but I feel like. Uh, it's also combined with Lori not letting him tell, and Rick not even letting him be with his best friend too yeah. is is really. But yeah, because they were they were partners and best friends mm-hmm. like before everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a very hard situation. All right, so speaking of alcohol, um, I wanted to talk about like giving Carl alcohol, especially. Uh, what do you yeah. think about that? Uh, well. I definitely like don't condone giving kids alcohol. Uh-huh. I'm I'm very much like don't drink if it's not legal, bro. But uh-huh. um, this is also the apocalypse, and the laws don't apply. So yeah. Um, I mean, it, Dale also mentions like that in in other, other countries, countries that people like the drinking age is way lower, and so I, I kind of want to talk about like the drinking ages in different countries because I think we have one of the highest drinking ages ever. Like in Europe, it's eighteen. Yeah. You know, and so Canada's eighteen, not eighteen. Mm-hmm. Eighteen. Yeah, and like so. W- what makes drinking ethical versus unethical in terms of, like, giving it to minors? Um, I think the big thing is, like, consciously understanding what it can do to your body. Because, like, mm-hmm. to put it bluntly, alcohol is literally just poisoning yourself to get a high. That's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. And to give it to a child who has no context or concept of what risk they're taking mm-hmm. versus the reward, I guess, Yeah. Um, I think is a little messed up. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that it was wine, like... Yeah. Rick totally very, knew. Very low alcohol content. Um, Rick totally knew that Carl was not going to like this. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. you know everyone, what? Let the kid have a sip. Everyone was like, let him have a sip. Um, and I think I think that's why kids, like, when they don't understand what alcohol does, they drink it. Kids usually want nice tasting things. And they're like, Ugh. And so they're like, why would you drink this? Like, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, my my uh, brother-in-laws got, like, like, non-alcoholic beer. Like, it tasted like beer, but it wasn't alcoholic thinking of it as an adult i'm like what's the point it's nasty beer and and it's not alcoholic but anyway i guess people like the taste but like they they like put non-alcoholic beer in my cup said it was ginger ale and then i drank it and i like spit it all over the table and and i was like how could you drink this yeah but it i i, I guess it's sort of just like and also kids just want to be like adults you know yeah and yeah and there's like a thrill of doing something illegal like that's mm-hmm. that's the huge thing because i've noticed like I was at a community college after I went to Price, uh-huh. um, and everybody just wanted to get drunk, and I was like, bro, like, it's not, like, okay. Well, it's definitely the appeal of, like, doing something you're not sketchy because to. you're not supposed to, yeah. Because, like, as soon as people hit 21, like, they stopped drinking. Like, yeah. they wouldn't touch it anymore, and I'm yeah. like, so you it's don't so like how it feels. You don't like what it does to you. You just like that you're doing something illegal. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. You um, like the thrill of it, of doing yeah. it, you know? But, like, the wraparound of, like, younger drinking ages and kids, um, I think, like, when it comes to ethical like ethics the big thing is consent to understanding what's going on mm-hmm. but i think yeah. it's also wise for like to introduce alcohol to kids in that in a home setting rather than like no no, no we like you'll never see alcohol whatever mm-hmm. um and then all of a sudden 
Like, well, they grow they... up, you're exposed, and you're at a club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, okay, you can only have this much. If you don't like it, don't drink it. Mm-hmm. And, like, we have full sobriety and you know, ability and you're, to watch you're over you. are safe with us. Yes. You know, instead of being... Going ah, to face in a bar and... Unsafe, or having your, your husband's best friend come into the room and, you know, like, you are safe right here. Yeah. Like, you know, while you're drunk, you know, so that nothing will happen to you and you can, yeah, yeah I agree, like, I agree In a with safe that. environment. I so I think there's, that. like, the pros and cons to drinking mm-hmm. underage or drinking, or having lower drinking ages. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed a lot of places, like, where they do have a lower drinking age, it's like, oh, you can drink at 18 or at 21, but you can drink at 16 if you're supervised by yeah. your parent or... Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's smart, and I think it, I think when you shelter a kid from something... The more, like, like the, the drinking age and wanting to do something illegal, the more you shelter a kid from something, the more appealing it is. So the more you shelter a kid from alcohol, the more appealing drinking alcohol is, and the more they're going to do it. Because mm-hmm. um, they're going to find a way, unless you lock them in the house forever. They're going to find a way to drink, unless you lock them in. Uh, and same thing with, like, anything, like pornography. They're going to, like, the, the more you shelter them, the more they're going to try to seek it out. The, the Or, like, sex in general, you know? Just so many things... Well, Kids want to be rebellious. Like, it always starts with something small, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I've noticed with, like, the concept of rebellion, I had a really good friend who's, like, parents, great intentions, but put, like, so many restrictions on the internet access. Mm-hmm. So they figured out every single way to get around that, to watch mm-hmm. a longer YouTube video, or to access Tumblr, That's what or I did. whatever. Like, figured out ways to work around it, and then it was like, oh, there's another thing. Well, they just figured out another way to work around it, mm-hmm. and they didn't communicate with their parents. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like... There's things that, like, definitely my parents disagree with with me on. Oh, yeah. Um, But I am grateful that they were a lot more open to certain conversations than other parents. Yeah. Um, And so, like, I got some pretty blunt, honest conversations about, like, alcohol. Um, I think I got, like, sex talk. I don't know. It was never, like, a formal sex talk. But, Mm -hmm. like, those kind of things. And so it was never, like, a huge appeal for me. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like, just just being open about things. And, I mean, that's, that's sort of what this podcast is about is to talk about these things because if we don't talk about them the I, I feel like the more we hide things the the more bad stuff happens the more things are are out in the open then you know the more educated we are and the more we can you know address them i i think it's a silly thing to be like well if if our kid hears one swear word they're going to start swearing i mean i i That's i have opinions on swearing i really think that it depends on how you use the word yeah it like um, you can call someone a non-swear word and mean it in a very offensive way, you know. I, I think it really depends on how you use the word, but that, that's my opinion. But it, it's just sort of, you know, if you want your kids to be a part of the world, you you have to talk to them about things that are a part of the world that maybe you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, states that teach abstinence only, the pregnancy rates are much, much higher because the kids don't understand what they're doing, you know. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, is if you want your kids in your life, you have to talk to them like mm-hmm. adults. And I mean, like, yeah. I'm not saying let's have a blunt conversation with a four-year-old yeah, about yeah. sex, but, like, once a kid's old enough to be asking a question, they're mm-hmm. old enough to kind of have at least the simplified version of the answer. Yeah, yeah. Like, answer the question in the simplified way they ask the question, you know? Exactly. Um, and, yeah, if I, I totally agree with that. I think if a kid's old enough to be asking a question, then answer the question. You know, you don't have to be all weird about it. Because if you're weird about it, then that then makes they're them... Then they're weird about it. Because they're like, oh, this is weird and taboo. So yeah. I'm supposed to be weird about it because my parents are weird about it, you know? Yeah. I think the other thing is, like, knowledge is safety. Like, mm-hmm. knowledge has so much power. Mm-hmm. And so kids that go into the world with little to no knowledge about certain things 
like are hurt much more easily mm -hmm. than people who have the knowledge and information. So like kids, who, like I've never understood like the whole, you're not allowed to date or have a relationship mm -hmm. like until you're graduated. And I'm like, first off, they're going to sneak around that. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is like, there's certain things that are healthy about like dating in high school and mm -hmm. having boyfriend and girlfriends in high school. Yeah. Like learning what healthy boundaries are. But you have to create an open line of communication for your kids to talk to you about those kind of things. Mm -hmm. There was a lot that I wish I would have known. I didn't date until after high school. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a mess. Uh -huh. um, well, I mean, wouldn't you have rather learned the stuff in dating in high school when everyone else was starting to date? Yeah. I, mm -hmm. th there was a lot that I didn't realize in that relationship that was unhealthy and on both mm -hmm. sides. But there was, yeah, there was a lot with that relationship that was mm -hmm. not healthy and, or and okay. Isn't it so much better like when you're going through a relationship to have a trusting relationship with your parents so they can let you know like things that are going wrong. Like if things are off or they can let you know their opinions, you know, I mean, it's one, it's another thing if the kid is going to listen to you, but I mean, if, yeah. if I, I would much rather as a parent, like know where my children are in their dating world so I can help them with it. So I can give them advice. Yeah. So I can see if there's warning signs and let them know. And that was a huge thing because my parents and I, like, I love my parents and I've got a good relationship with them, but there mm -hmm. have been times that we've been at odds or just didn't really understand each other and communicate as well as we should. Um, one of those times was while we were in Price. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot that, like, I wish we would have had that better communication mm -hmm. to talk about those things because it would have been a lot less painful Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be able to openly talk about those things. And even with the relationship that followed that, too, like, we talked more but not near as much mm -hmm. as we should have. Um, and the most communication I've had with my parents was when I was not even in the same state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just important to not shelter your kids from things yeah. and to just like, and you know, if a kid wants to start dating, like when they're 14, I, we both grew up in Utah. <laughs> we both, it's, it's, it's 16 is the law. And I did not follow that rule. I didn't care. Um, but it, it was so, um, but I learned so much dating before I was 16. Like I learned like, and it, it was hard. I mean, dating's hard. Dating's rough. Like, I feel like it's also like they're trying to shelter kids from heartbreak, but if people start dating, they're going to go through heartbreak. You know, yeah. they're not going to find their first, usually they're not going to find the one that they marry in their first date or second date or third or 10th yeah, or 50th. I mean, even if they do, there's still a lot of heartbreak that comes while you, without losing a relationship. Mm -hmm. Like in a healthy relationship, there are times that heartbreak happens. Yeah. And I mean, it sucks, but mm -hmm. it's an important part of growth. You're going to experience heartbreak, whether it's within a relationship or because you lost a relationship. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so talk to your kids like they're people because they are people. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about. This oh, was no, this seemed like, yeah. There. This seemed like um, such an interesting line because he Is it the fossil fuel yeah, line? it's the fossil fuel line because he's talking about like well, this place like hosted some of the most dangerous diseases, so we have to have like a safety in plan. Like if the power goes out and we don't have enough gas, and then he was like so this place will blow up when it runs out of gas, which is what is happening. Um, can you believe the world ends on like the world runs, runs on, on fossil, fossil fuel? fuel? And I was like, that was like a plug in <laughs> there. <laughs> like, uh, and I agree with him. I think it's really dumb because we're going to run out one day. Yeah. It's non-replenishable. And this was back in like, what? Oh, eight that this 10, season, 2010. 2010 was mm -hmm. when this came out. Okay. Yeah. So like at that point, like the push for solar was still pretty low. Yeah. Like, yeah. Alternative fuel sources were still really low. <laughs> well, I mean, and I know why people don't want to do it because they have stocks or whatever, or like the big oil companies don't want to lose their money. But I mean, it's like, wouldn't it be much better to transition into a renewable energy source so that we yeah. don't run out one day and then we, you know, lose everything? 
Yeah, and there's no like immediate like oh boom we're all automatically well no we're not solar. we're not going like, to switch immediately it has to be a transition but it would be so much easier to transition now than to like run out and have to scramble yeah than what we're used to you know yeah. it's like the one day you have it and the next day it's gone that's yeah. what's going to happen if we don't transition now yeah and that's why you see like I've seen at least back like in my home city like there's a ton of like people putting solar panels up mm-hmm. um we've gotten more of like the windmills yeah windmills okay i was like what is that the right term yeah <laughs> they're called windmills guys mm-hmm. i don't know um but we've got a lot more of those going for additional power but yeah. like the i mean it is a good point like fossil fuel isn't is not as quickly renewable as other sources it's no. it's so slow in renewing that you can't even really call it renewable mm-hmm. it's not self-replenishing yeah we have sunlight we're stuck with sunlight until the sun yeah. decides to explode and at that point we're dead for other reasons yeah not because we didn't have power well but. It, we're dead Due to not being to freezing, yeah, we're we're dead because or the solar flare, <laughs> uh, because and it was out of our control, yeah. Like, but this isn't our control, exactly. You know, and so, yeah, uh, that's that's my two cents on it. Combine let's, sources. Let's transition. <laughs> let's transition, uh, baby yeah. boys um, and Ooh. girls. <laughs> All right, so uh, that is the end of this segment. We will be back with a short awesome. musical break, and uh, yeah, see you later. Okay. Okay. So, a horse running in a race and breaking its leg, and then you have to kill it. Or like you know, there's there's puppies that aren't being adopted because they're blind or they're they don't have you know two legs. You know what are is it okay? And what animals is it okay to kill because they're disabled, or is it not okay? What animals are not okay? Okay, that's okay. That's a little more complicated than it. Uh-huh. Um. So obviously, when it comes to like dogs and cats and, like, domesticated animals that can be used as, like, pets. Like, people need to get over themselves and adopt imperfect animals. Because, you know <laughs> uh-huh. what? Like, I'm sick of, like, the whole I need a purebred whatever. I'm like, you know what? Purebreds, like, they are in so much pain mm-hmm. all the time because it's a process of inbreeding. But, like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Some, like, one of the cutest dogs I've ever seen is a little three-legged dog. And he has mm-hmm. more energy than any four-legged dog I've ever met in my yeah. life. Um, And, like, when it comes to, like, I... Okay. So with the horses... Like, I know, like, the healing process is, like, really extremely slow. Mm-hmm. And for an animal that really can't, like, not be on its legs most of the time, mm-hmm. like, that's where it gets a little bit more questionable. Yeah. I know, like, now modern medicine, especially in, like, veterinary science, has improved. So, like, I don't think you should just, like, put it down. But I understand, like, if it doesn't heal properly, mm-hmm. um, well, it's I mean, causing more pain. Yeah, and that sort of goes into, like, uh, having a painless death versus living a painful life. Yeah. Like, the whole thing of the episode. Yeah, and I think it's more about, like, the pain levels and mm-hmm. stuff. So, like, if, if you can't get that leg to heal properly, like, for a horse, that's everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you, a horse can't walk on three legs in the same way, like, a dog can. A dog mm-hmm. can figure out its way. The structure of a horse can't. Yeah. So, I can understand, like, putting down a horse for the sake of, like, putting it out of its misery versus, mm-hmm. like, this dog has three legs but it's totally happy and it's not in pain. Like, yeah. why would you put it down? Yeah, So, exactly. I think it really depends on, like, pain. Like, pain levels. Okay. Okay, it's, like, like the misery that it's in? Yeah. And uh, does it also matter if it's, like, able to survive uh, or not? I mean, like, because I, um, because with, like, uh, shelters where they take, like, wild animals, like, they either have to take care of them or they have to kill them because they wouldn't survive in the wild. Um, what do you feel about that? 
Um, I think if they have to go into the wild and they're not going to survive, I at least, like, I understand the thought process. I don't think I could necessarily do it, but I understand it's a similar premise to, like, why hunters won't leave, like, a deer half shot. Like, yeah. if they hit a deer, they're going to chase that oh, deer down yeah. until they can confirm that it's dead because mm-hmm. you've literally put it at such a disadvantage that that's going to die anyway. It's going to die. So you mm-hmm. might as well get the meat out of the meat and the bones and use it mm-hmm. for something positive um, instead of just kind of let it die and decay. Yeah. Um, so I think when it comes, not that like wild animals are less than domesticated animals, <laughs> but when it's like a, you literally have to survive on your own and mm-hmm. there's no way for you to conceivably do that. It's a like preventing misery. I don't, that's a hard question. Yeah. It's Touching hard. Exact. Um, um, I, I don't necessarily think it's wrong. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think I could do that, but I don't necessarily think it's mm-hmm. wrong. So it's a fighting chance. Yeah. If you have a fighting chance, yeah, you should be able like to in the go episode. for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for answering that question. What do you guys think? You can answer on our Twitter, which is at Zacky the Zombie. Uh, you can answer on our. I, everyone always smiles when I say Zacky the Zombie. <laughs> I love uh, it. <laughs> you can also answer on Instagram at Feed Don't Eat Your Brain. Uh, you can also email us at feeddon'teatyourbrain at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions. Also, um, subscribe and follow on all the Fortune Horseman things. So YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, there's a lot that's going to be going on. Artificial Love is uh, the short film that I shot and directed and wrote in a week, and that's coming out this Friday, so take a look at that. Follow on all the stuff. Uh, Emily, do you have anything, anything you want people to follow you on or anything else to say? Uh, I mean, like, y'all are welcome to follow me. It's, all of my handles are amazing. F-U-L Emily. I hate it, but that's what my handles are. <laughs> I made it when I was, like, 13, but all right. stuck with me. All right, awesome. Um, and your life's worth living. Awesome, yeah. Your life is definitely worth living. Keep living. Keep listening to this podcast, because uh, it's dope. All right, thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.